Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Well, we are glad you are here and those who are even watching online. We're glad that you've gathered together um, to hear songs and to hear God's word. I don't know about your lunch table at work or maybe your lunch table at school, but here around 12.15, every weekday, the staff here gathers who's here, and uh, we have a great time together. We like to laugh, we tell stories, and we also have moments where we kind of share what's going on in our lives. One of the topics we usually trend towards is what kind of movies are you watching in your home? What are you watching? What are you watching? And so a couple of weeks ago, Bob was there, and he was saying, there is a movie that you have to watch. Now, he described it as a movie-slash-documentary. And he said, the story is incredible. Everything is amazing. This is a, an amazing, you-have-to-see-this kind of movie. All right, a couple days go by, and now Cindy is at the lunch table. And she was saying, hey, Bob, I watched the movie. And now she's saying the same thing. This is, it's astounding. It's incredible. You, can't, you have to see this movie. And so I went away from there thinking, well, Bob and Cindy said it was a good movie. Then maybe I should watch it too. And so I had to set up and get a subscription and kind of jump through some hoops. And I'm like, wow, Bob and Cindy said it was that good. So this past week, we pulled the family around and pulled onto the screen, and we started watching, and guess what? They were right! It was that good! It's an amazing story! And now here I am telling you! And you're thinking to yourself, what is it? What is it? It's it's a, a documentary about the cave rescue of the soccer team in Thailand called The Rescue. Now, if you remember the story, 2018, in the summer, this soccer team with their coach retreated into this cave. It started raining. The floodwaters were coming. They kept going deeper and deeper and deeper into the cave. We remember the story, right? And so this chronicles the rescue of that team. It's an amazing story. Now, what's really interesting to me is that Bob was telling the story of this rescue. Cindy was telling. Now I'm telling. We are drawn to gripping, compelling stories of rescue. When we hear them, we can't contain ourselves. You got to see it. You got to watch it. Let me tell you, did you hear? Did you hear about those boys who were rescued? And we keep telling the stories of rescue over and over and over and over again. There is another story of rescue that we're going to be challenged to tell over and over and over and over again. See, we've been walking through this series this Christmas season called The Anthems of Christmas, to tell the story of the anthems that we see in the Gospel of Luke. You see, anthems tell a story. 
They give us history. They give us identity. And they build unity among those who tell the anthems. And so two weeks ago, we saw the anthem of Mary. And it was there to encourage us. Mary said her, she was magnifying her soul was being magnified by this story. What is this story? It was the story that was coming of the rescuer, Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at Zechariah and his anthem, the anthem of freedom. What is freedom? Freedom is found at the deep level of what we're looking for, at the level of soul in the rescuer, Jesus Christ. And so this week, we continue in our journey, and we're going to see another anthem in the Gospel of Luke. It's a very short one, but might be arguably the most important, the one that we all remember, the one we talk about around the Christmas season. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're examining in the Gospel of Luke, we're going to be in chapter 2, the story, the anthem of the angels. And so if you have your Bible, let's um, open up together and let's see it. You heard it read uh, from Mary, who is here as our reader this morning. And really, let's pick up the story in verse 7, because this might be one of the most significant verses in all of the scriptures. It, It very simply reads, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was not a place for them in the inn. This last week, I was telling our group that meets, uh, our group of men that come and pray at our church at 6 a.m. on Thursday, I was, th- I was telling them, you, you've probably heard this verse at least 50 times, maybe even more. It's, it's so common. It's very straightforward. There's nothing tricky in the language. There's nothing that's like, what, what's really going on here? Like, it, it reads very simply. This woman, she gave birth, a first century birth story. And she wrapped him in these claws and she laid him. They couldn't find a place in the inn. And so they were in a place where animals were. And she laid him in this manger. It's a very common Average, ordinary verse. Not a lot of things that are terribly unique when you first look at it. But let me tell you, there is something very profound in this verse that is happening. There is something very, very unique. Think about it for a moment. This is the moment where God sent his son into our world. And what was coming together was 100% humanity and 100% deity in the person of Christ. In this moment... I mean, we're trying to wrap our minds around that. There is something deeper here. There's something very profound. The one who is placed in the feeding trough for animals is also the same one who was said about him that for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. The baby in the manger is the one at the same time who is sustaining the universe. Whoa. This baby that was in the manger who was crying, he, was, he knew what it meant to be hungry. Not the away in the manger baby, like no crying he made. No, no, no. He was crying. He understood humanity, what it meant to be hungry and thirsty. 
But think about this. This would be the same baby who would grow to say this, that I am the bread of life. Anyone who comes to me will never hunger again. Whoa. The one who's beginning in, as a human was here in, in Bethlehem, but also the one who was before all things. It, it, it is astounding. The one who was born of the virgin. You see the significance of that, right? All the way back from Genesis chapter 3, sin has come down. And come down from generation to generation to generation to every single human being until this one. This verse is, is packed with significance. Now, could God have created a man in heaven and then beamed him down to live with us? Sure, he could have, but there always would have been this disconnect of his real humanity. Could he really be one of us? And conversely, he could have had a biological father, biological mother. The virgin birth could have been excerpted from the story. He could have continued on, but his full deity would have always been in question. You see, this is God's plan his perfect plan in this verse coming together for the story of rescuing humanity. It's incredible. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Now, let's continue on, because if this were a movie, now the camera would go to just a few miles away, out into fields, it's going to, the camera's now going to be on shepherds. They're just minding their own business, doing their job. Unbeknownst to them, what has just transpired just a few miles away in Bethlehem. And now verse 8. Notice how the story continues. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Three titles. The only time they are all three mentioned in the New Testament is right here. A Savior who is the Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, as you watch the, the documentary, as you watch the movie, what captures you is truly this story that when you think about it, is impossible. It's impossible. On the ground, there was the, in Thailand, there was a SEAL team, these expert divers in their country. They went into the cave first. 
but they couldn't get back far enough. I mean, the distance that these kids were in the cave was two and a half miles. Two and a half miles deep. And so this SEAL team, they can't do it. And they call an American SEAL team in of divers. They can't get there either. And the story chronicles how they found these two men in the UK where their passion and hobby happened to be cave diving. Two people on the planet of eight billion were the ones who were going to usher in this kind of rescue for these kids. They were the ones who made it all the way in. And when you see the footage of what they traveled through, the murky waters, the crevices, to keep swimming and swimming and swimming, these two men, it is mind-blowing, it is incredible, it's, it's inspiring, because it's wrapped around this idea of rescue. Well, the story I, I just read to you is, think about this, is an, an even greater story of rescue. It's an, notice what the angels say. What took place in Bethlehem in the city of David is the story of good news. Notice what it says, for who? Is it just for a few people over here? No, it's good news for all the people, everyone. Eight billion, plus those who've gone before and those who will come after. This is a good news story. This word in the New Testament is also used as the gospel. The gospel, the good news. And it's all wrapped around this word of the Savior. The Savior has arrived. That is the key title. The one who delivers people from their greatest problem, from the greatest plague that we have in our human existence. It isn't world hunger. It isn't inflation. Our greatest problem is sin. And there is an answer to that. For those who by faith accept and believe in Jesus Christ as the only one who is the rescue. This offer is made to everyone, not just for 12 people in a cave, but this rescue comes to everybody. And the possibilities are there. And to accentuate like a highlighter of the emphasis of this, this message comes, this message of rescue comes in the form of glory. That's another key phrase here. The glory of God accompanied this message. And the idea of glory, I mean, we could have a separate sermon altogether. We could trace, like, where does glory come from? And how does it use in the Old Testament? And we go all the way back to Exodus and the glory of God. But let me give you the short story. When you hear about the glory of God in the Old Testament, it is the presence of God in that moment. The glory of God shown. And in the Old Testament, there are ways that also talk about when the glory of God was shown. It was also the character of God was there. There are lots of words wrapped around the essence of who God is. His, his goodness is found in his glory, his mercy, his compassion, truth. 
faithfulness, majesty, wisdom, and power, holiness, righteousness, love, and grace. All of those words are wrapped around the glory of God when he shows up. And so here too, early in Luke, it's almost like they're having an Old Testament moment. The glory of God shone. It was bright. It was visible, blinding. But also this glory was an audible thing that they heard. Verse 14, it's very simple. The anthem is very short. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. See, God has come to rescue humanity from the enemy of sin, and his plan is through the humble unassuming story of the manger. And so at this point, the question we can come to in the text is this. Do do I know the one who is the rescuer? Do you know the one who is the rescuer? See, he is the one who can, I stress the word can, he can bring peace to your soul. I say can because even though the offer of rescue is for all, notice what the words of the anthem say. Peace comes to those whom God is pleased. Wait a second. Who is he pleased with? Where does God find his pleasure in man? What does that look like? Well, it has always been the same from the beginning till now. And the one who says it best is the psalmist. Notice his words. In Psalm 147, it says, His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Here it is. He finds pleasure in those who humbly come to him and say, help, I need your help. Not the proud who say, I got it all figured out. Uh, I have this thing, my own sinfulness, I'll just do more, I'll just figure it out, I'll be better than that person, I'll, I'll just make it. No, no, no. You see, the Lord finds his pleasure in those who are humble, so humble that they come and they say, I need help. Where can I find it? A baby. What kind of humble story is that? It's like humble, humble, humble. The baby. I need help. The helpless baby. The one who is fully man, who, who is tempted like we are, but he was without sin, who understands human struggle. He understands human pain. But then also the baby who is Lord of lords and king of kings. That baby, that's the one in whom we trust. And when you do, God finds his pleasure in you in humbling yourself in his gospel of good news. For he is the only one who is capable of this kind of rescue that we need. 
Do you know him? Have you been rescued? If you have, there is rejoicing in the heavens. It's an incredible story when people cross over from death to life in Jesus Christ. Well, the next question before us is this. Now what? When the skies go dark, when the glory has gone from the sky and the angels have left, now what do you do? It's a great question. The shepherds have something for us, something that we need to learn as well. In verse 15, they do something very remarkable. It says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. What do, what do the shepherds do? It's obvious from the text. They do what probably any of us would have done. They went and they investigated. Is it really true? Is it possible? I mean, this thing that we saw, the glory of God, is it really true? And so they went to verify with their own eyes. They went to verify this story. We do that with all stories of, that are about rescue and even the story about the cave. I mean, it just happened in 2018, so we, we can verify it. I mean, in our world where there's round-the-clock media coverage of everything, there was so many cameras there at the cave entrance just wanting some information. And so all of us knew of the story, and we could verify it as we were hearing it, and we were trusting that story. But what about something that happened 2,000 years ago? How do, you, how do you verify that? How do you trust this kind of story? How do you investigate that? You see, for all of us, we too need to investigate. And I encourage anyone to investigate the story of Christmas, but also the story of the Scriptures and the story of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. You see, every single one of us must go on a journey to see if it's true. You see, you fall in one of many categories, but maybe you're someone who is just here because your parents bring you to church. And, and week after week, year after year, you know what? At some point, you are going to have to investigate the story for yourself to see if it's true. Or maybe you're here because your spouse brings you here. And you're just saying, well, I'm just doing it because they... No, you have to have your answer. You have to figure this out. You have to be like the shepherd who goes on the journey to see if it's true. And then conversely, you might be in a category of people that's like, I'm in the crowd that says this thing is stupid. Why would I believe that? It's the Karl Marx, the opiate of the masses. It's for the weak people. Really? Have you investigated it? Have you searched it out? Or are you just kind of going with the crowd? Because that's what everybody at work says, and that's what we just believe. And, oh, that's so stupid that you do. Really? Do you know? Have you, 
investigated? Have you taken shepherd time to see if it's true or not? A simple work I, I recommend to people all the time is this one written by Lee Strobel. He's someone who is a skeptic. He's an investigative uh, reporter at the time when he wrote it for the Chicago Tribune. And he said, hey, I'm just going to seek this out. I'm going to find the stories. I'm going to see what comes of it and, and see where the story happens. And he said a lot of times in the book, uh, he talks about the questions of the reliability of the Bible itself. He goes into all of that, the reliability of the resurrection story. I mean, do you believe it or not? There's eyewitnesses, there's external sources, and, and he goes on this journey. But what he says on the very last page of the book is very interesting. On the very last page, he says, this, he's talking about this journey, like a shepherd journey, and he says this, at the time... At the same time, I do feel a strong obligation to urge you to make this a front burner issue in your life. Don't approach it casually or flippantly because there's a lot riding on your conclusion. Perfectly said. None of us know the time of when we will be out of time. This is a front burner issue. Who is the Christ, the Savior, the Rescuer. Do I believe this? This good news for everybody. Do I, do I believe it? Or do I not? Well, we, like the shepherds, need to determine if it's true. But there's something even further we learn from shepherds as the story continues in verse 17. Notice this. He says, and when they, meaning the shepherds, they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Fifteen days in a cave. Fifteen days these boys were trapped. But then came the moment when one of them emerged and the story came out. They're alive. One boy and then another and then another. They're alive. This is unbelievable. Two and a half miles stranded in a cave. How did this happen? They're alive. And this message beamed across our planet. You would see people in different countries cheering. Yes, the story of rescue happened. And that is the same exuberance you see here from shepherds. Can you believe he came? The prophets were telling us about this baby that was coming, and he did. He came. The rescuer came. The glory of the Lord shone on us. We went. We saw it. We verified it. And everyone they were telling, they were in wonderment. Like, are you serious? And Mary, she's now reliving this. She's pondering things that were spoken to her. It's all been verified. And notice what it says in verse 20. 
It's beautiful that they kept telling the story. Telling the story. Telling the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God. The ones who were shown the story of glory, of rescue, are now telling the story of glory. Are you? Has this, has this story of gospel rescue gripped you so much so that you can't contain yourself? I, I have to tell somebody. It's true. I believe it's true. I've looked at the scriptures. I've studied them, and I've done my research, and it's true. I believe it. I want the world to know. See, that's the excitement of the shepherds. You see, the Christmas story isn't a sleepy, ho-hum, silent night, and let's go to bed. The story of Christmas is one of explosion. The shepherds, they, I got to tell somebody about this. It happened. Is it exploding in your life? Here, here's my homework for all of us. Why isn't it? Why isn't this story exploding? Or maybe it is in pockets, but what's going on? that we're being restrained in the greatest story of rescue. What is it? This would be a great question to, to talk with people even at post-game. We have a class that meets right after this where we get to know one another and talk about what we've heard. It's a great question. Like, what is restraining us? What's restra- Maybe this is the Christmas where the story's coming alive in a new way. And you're being challenged. And I challenge all of us to say, who is that person that needs to hear this story of rescue? How can we be used in shepherd ways, in an excitement of our hearts to share? May he lay that upon all of us individually, but even collectively as a church. May this be a place where the gospel is exploding because the story of rescue is that good. It's that good. The Savior, the Christ, the Lord has been born. And he wants to rescue you. Let me pray for us as we close. Thank you, Lord, for your word to us in your gospel, the good news has been given to us and we're grateful. You find pleasure in people humbling themselves at the cross of your son, Jesus Christ. The, the manger story continues and It's going to be a story of your son that would go to another humbling place, the cross, and die. This is an ending for thieves and for those people. But yet this was the ending for your son that then led to a brand new beginning of resurrection and joy. 
This is what we believe. And I know there might be even some here who are still skeptical of that story. And I pray that you would impress your truths upon their hearts, even in this moment. And may we go forth from this place singing the song, telling of the glory of the rescue of Jesus Christ. May your gospel ring forth in Kent, Ohio, and beyond. May you do immeasurably more than even we could ask or even imagine. Thank you. We pray this by the power of your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.